Welcome to the Arrangers Podcast. I'm Aaron Hedenstrom. And I'm Drew Zaremba. The Arrangers Podcast is dedicated to the insightful discussion of music arranging and composition. What we do takes a lot of hard work and resources. We are asking for support from listeners like you to continue to make this podcast available for everybody. Please consider contributing a monthly donation to our Patreon platform. We sincerely appreciate any contributions you are able to give. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram or leave a review on iTunes. Be sure to send us your questions and feedback to thearrangerspodcast at gmail.com and find out more at www.thearrangerspodcast.com. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, this is the Arrangers Podcast. My name is Aaron Hedenstrom. This is my co-host Drew. Hello. Drew, how are things? It's good. It's good. It, it, I'm excited to be releasing all these interviews for uh, for everyone to listen to. We've been sitting on them for a minute and I'm so glad we get to get them out. Absolutely. In May of 2019, we attended the International Society of Jazz Composers and Arrangers, also known as Jack. The symposium was in Greeley, Colorado, and we had the opportunity to interview many of the world's leading composers and arrangers. Jack is a fantastic organization. It, it unites jazz composers and arrangers together. We get to listen to music together, share music, share research and knowledge. There's clinics and symposiums, and, and uh, we get to bond together, which is an important part of being a musician, particularly a jazz musician. So we get to we got to do it with each other as composers and arrangers. Kind of a rare treat and super fun time. Absolutely. One of the amazing composers and arrangers that we got to sit down and chat with is somebody that I know, Drew, you've gotten to know very well over the years. I've gotten to work with him in masterclass settings as a student, and I'm a huge admirer of his work. But we got to sit down with the mighty John Clayton. Mighty indeed. That's the <laughs> that's the perfect word to describe him. One of many perfect words. He's just he has the biggest heart. He is and you'll you'll know immediately from the interview and I'm sure there's those of you who know his work are very familiar with uh, his outlook and just love for education and open-heartedness, but yeah, John is just a beautiful human being who's Music is timeless in a way. He, of course, was a bass player and arranger for the original Count Basie big band and uh, has gone on to lead and work with many of the great jazz bands and orchestras in the world, including the Metropole Orchestra, the VDR big band, and, of course, he uh, runs the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra with Jeff Hamilton uh, himself and his brother, uh, Jeff Clayton. It was an absolute treat to talk with him, and we know you'll enjoy what he had to say, too. I've been very fortunate to have been mentored a little bit by John, as many other young writers have. He has a very warm personality and is not afraid to help the next generation. He's very involved in ISJAC. He's involved in the GEN Conference and ASMAC. So I've had the opportunity to interact with John on a number of occasions, of course, he came to North Texas for a week, and uh, Aaron and I both got to play in the One O'Clock Lab Band uh, with him conducting, which was a real pleasure. Although, I will say, I, I had strep that week, and I had to duck out and sub out that uh, particular performance, which was a bummer. Oh, no, that's... Oh, that's right. Oh. But I did I did get to rehearse with him a couple times, which is which was great. Yeah. 
That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. That's sad. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> but I also got to work with him at the Disney Band and uh, work with him on a, on a few other occasions. And yeah, just his personality. I, some of the things that he says, I still uh, teach and use to this day, particularly what he says about clarity and sincerity in music. So it, it was just a pleasure getting to sit down with him and Aaron uh, and, and talk about music and life for a little bit. So here we go. So uh, hello, my name is Drew Zaremba with the Arrangers podcast. Aaron Hedenstrom here. We're here at the S-Jack Symposium, and we're sitting with the phenomenal and legendary John Clayton, and it's an honor to have him here. Yes, the, the amazing composer, arranger, conductor, band leader, and all-around... Uh, a friendly neighborhood uh, guru when it comes to all life matters, especially music. So, John, thank you for being here. Wow, honored to hang with you guys. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Um, for, before we get started, uh, we wanted to hear any thoughts that you had about the ISJAC conference and how you felt it's gone and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. It, the ISJAC conference could not have been better to my mind. It was just, it was. Every day, um, awesomer, <laughs> and I, I know awesome is an overused word, therefore mm. I said awesomer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so incredible to just every day hang with all these people that are like-minded people doing the same thing that you do, uh, with different take on on the technique or the concept or whatever it just feeds your your creativity your soul your your mind so yeah it, it was and I thought that as the conference continued each day uh, became more um, comfortable you know it's yeah. like everybody was more familiar with each other made more friends and had had more chats and beers and dinners and all that. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really happy. Friends being made. Yes, truly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, we were wondering if you could share maybe a couple of different milestones in your career or in your educational process or just anything you can kind of give us in, insight into along the way where something kind of you know, opened up for you or an opportunity opened or something clicked and, and anything that you can think of. I'm glad you said a couple because I just feel yeah. like oh yes, there's an endless list of, you know, I'm so lucky that way. Uh, so many cool things have happened for me. Um, but maybe I should focus on the writing ones, you think? Certainly. You know, sure. just... Sounds Start good. there, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, writing-wise, I, um, I didn't get bit by the writing bug until I was in Count Basie's band. Mm, and right. before that, I mean, sure, I'd written tunes, you know, for just small group kind of things and little ditties or whatever. But then, uh, in Basie's band, and I drew up, I think I've told you this, but in Basie's band, I... I I uh, I heard all this amazing music every night, mm. and I didn't know 
how to write for a big band. We hadn't really written big band charts before, but I never had a transpo transpose for the instruments. Our brother's a saxophone player, so he taught me uh, how to write for tenors and altos, berries and soprano, uh, and and you know trumpets, easy transposition. So I asked Mr. Basie, "Is it okay if I?" write something for the band. And he said, sure, yeah, great. So I wrote something for the band, and the band had a, had a you know, they hated to rehearse, but they had a rehearsal. They, <laughs> they, they played my chart, and it was so bad, hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I had, you know, the, the saxophones in such a low register, it was just mud, and the, and there was, I didn't know anything about really how to shape lines and all, just the, the list. Mm. <laughs> and the guys were like, hey, all right, young blood, you got the right idea. You know, I knew it sucked. <laughs> so Aww. I went home on one of the breaks and I had an album of, of uh, Neil Hefty mm. and Count Basie with Splanky, the song Splanky on it. Mm -hmm. And every time we we played Splanky almost every night, and every night we played it, I got goosebumps when we got to the shock horse. Yeah, so it's magical. I, oh, I love that thing, man. So uh, I transcribed uh, Splanky from the recording. I, I no, I didn't know. Nobody taught me how to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to check it out and see and learn what I could. So. Uh, I started out by just writing out what I heard in words. So mm -hmm. Roman numeral one, um, piano is playing A flat pedals in the lower register. Yep. Joined by the bass, um, um, drums, sticks, hi hat, time, you know, no guitar, and you know, just in whatever it was, eight bars or whatever it was, and and then Roman numeral two. Uh, Brass play melody in unison, mm -hmm. in, in mutes. Mm. Cups, question mark, buckets, question mark. I didn't know, I knew it was muted, I couldn't tell what it was. Right, 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 and, you right, know, right. So on and on, and I just wrote the whole thing out in words like that. Your first event list. Yes, yes, actually, yes, wow. yeah, that's what it was. Beautiful. So, um, and then I went and I transcribed the notes that I could hear. I knew it was blues, uh, I could hear the melody. Your ear is always driven to the top note of every instrument family, so I could hear the first alto, I could hear the lead trombone, I could obviously hear the lead trumpet, hmm. and then I'd write down everything else I could hear, I couldn't hear everything, but I would just spell vertically down, and uh, you know, I, I knew there was like a, a D flat seven chord, but suddenly I could hear that one note that kind of stuck out, and it would be the ninth, or it would be hmm. the thirteenth, or, yeah. you know, it, whatever. So that that cuts stuck out. So I used all that stuff mm. and to write my own piece. And uh, so I wrote this piece and took it into the band and passed it out at the next rehearsal and we counted it off and the band's foot was patting, you know, it was everybody was kinda of nodding their head. I thought, Well that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. We got through it and at the end of it basically said those famous words to me. He said, Let's do it one more time. Mm. So Aww. that was really cool. And that was the song I wrote called Blues for Stephanie. Mm. Which 
they played almost every night. Wow. Chart number two Chart number for two. Count Basie. Yeah. And it's and a I, hit. And, but you know, and I, and it got recorded and got the record got a Grammy and all this stuff. So it was really, oh, that was lucky. And that was the beginning of two steps forward, one step back. Certainly. Because as soon as I thought I knew what I was doing, then I'd have to get slapped around mm. and go back to the drawing board. Mm. But the guys in the band were always so supportive that they would, they would play, and I'd write like 12 bars of a sax soli. Mm. And I wanted to know what it sounded like. And the guys in the, in the saxophone section would come to my hotel room and just play that 12 bars. Oh my gosh. And, or the brass section would uh, not um, go to their dressing rooms before the gig. Instead, they go straight on stage and play the eight bars of the brass chorale that I had written so I could hear what it sounded like. You had your own workshop. It was amazing. Oh, oh yeah. my That's gosh. what I'm saying. I, I, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. Wow. <laughs> how, can I ask you how long it was, how much time you brought in the first chart, and then how long was it, and then your second chart? What was that interim period? Do you know? Well, after the first chart, uh, it was not long at all. I would, I can't remember exactly, but I imagine it was a month or less. Oh, right. You know, because I, I mean, I couldn't do anything. I didn't want to do anything on the road. But we had a break pretty soon thereafter, and mm. I was dating uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, mm. who lived in Holland. Mm. Yes, of course. So I had to fly to Holland, and you know, so that I was, it was chill time with her. She was still a student. So I had some time on my own that I could just mm. do the stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, but it was, I imagine, around a month or so or less that uh, before I wrote the second piece. Uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of how I began writing for large ensembles. Wow, that's, that's a pretty steep. That's yeah. that's a that's a steep learning curve. Yeah, I am very lucky, and I know that's it. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, the second question is uh, not unlike what you've been doing these last three days, listening to many young composers' pieces, yeah. um, and older composers, but uh, we've asked everyone, what's a good trend that you've seen in young composers, and a uh, less good <laughs> trend <laughs> that you've seen in younger composers? Uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. The good trend is that I'm finding more and more people um, are influenced by a larger body of different kinds of music. Mm. So uh, as a result, when they bring that to the tradition, um, to, to jazz, to large ensemble writing, etc., then it's just, it makes me smile because I'm hearing this continuation of, of what music is supposed to do. Mm. And in, in 1930, we didn't have the Cuban influence on our music. In right. 1940, we didn't have the Brazilian music influence on our music. Mm. And you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's continued to expand and grow which is important, I, you know, of course you always get the naysayers mm. that say, oh man, that's not jazz, you call that jazz, that's, man, I'm, 
etc. Right. And I, you know, the beauty of what we do is that it's subjective. Mm. You know, there's no, there's no right way to do it. There's no uh, such thing as good music. There's no such thing as bad music. Mm. And I mean, and that, you know, I, I'm not saying that to fly in the face of people who have said things like there's only two kinds of music, good music and bad music. I'm not trying to, you no, know. No, of course. Mm-hmm. I get what their point is, but the beauty of music, the beauty of art, is that it's subjective. Mm. So, who is the best trumpet player? Louis Armstrong or Dizzy Gillespie? Roy Aldridge or Freddie Hubbard? Oh, uh, you know, Roy, yeah. Hargrove, Roy Hargrove or Nicholas Payton? Mm. Uh, you know, there's no such thing. Who's right. the best bass player? Ray Brown or Ron Carter, or Charles Mingus or Dave Holland, or Christian <laughs> McBride, or... See, it's, yeah. that's yeah. the beauty of what we do. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm really happy about the fact that so many people, especially younger people, are, are really broadening the horizons of this music. Mm. Now, the, you know, for instance, one of the less good things that I see um, and this is often the case, frankly, in, in, in many situations. Too often, people don't do it in, I think, the best order of learning. Hmm. So they will hook up with that track that they, that they have on YouTube, and they'll learn how to play that incredible, impressive solo of their favorite artist or whatever, uh-huh. and they're only a teenager or even less. And it's out and you think, my God, that's amazing. How do you do that? And then you ask them to do something very basic, very, mm. you know, ground level. Let's play a C major scale. Right. Yeah. And they can't do it. Huh. Right. So too often I'm finding that more and more and more and more and more people are learning how to build a roof before they do the foundation. Mm. And, wow. and, and I don't blame them for that. My only hope is that they eventually learn about the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it takes a bit of humbling uh, because it's, it's like, man, I, why do I have to go back and learn to, like, to play long tones? I, I, I can play this, this really fast stuff or, yeah, or whatever, yeah, you know, right. whatever the example is. Right. Sometimes they're a little... Un- reluctant to or maybe not understanding of the importance mm. of that basis that foundation I'm talking about yeah so yeah there's there's that and I think that that peop, people um, look for shortcuts mm. you know they want just add water boom let's go right. <laughs> yeah, right. that's kind of unfortunate yeah. um, we're just you know, as you know, we, we were the three of us were just talking about yeah. uh, the shortcuts that, that exist. Right. Yes. Hooray for technology, as long as it really does help us. Yeah. Mm. And some people uh, look at it as a help and end up using it, and it and it becomes a hindrance. Mm. Right. So that's yeah. that's that's unfortunate. But so. But I'm even cool with that, because it's like, you know what? If they eventually get the information and and 
they learn what it is that you guys know, great. If they get there. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be in the in the right order. No. No. Whatever that is. There's many paths. That's right. One thing that was interesting that we were just discussing um, before this was you were just mentioning about the idea of software playback and like the process of hearing something played by real people having to do a transposition by hand or by ear mm -hmm. or or hearing the sound before you hear the computer play it back. And I mean, how, how do you think we can teach people that or even implement it in our own practice? Um, it's, a, it's a case by case basis, you know, because everybody, we, we, we all live in different places, we all have different, all have different environments, different influences, etc. cetera. Uh, but when we have the chance, just like you guys are doing, if somebody, comes to your concert, here's your play, here's your music, and they go, wow, I love that. You know, I'm trying to do the same thing, can you help me? Boom, of course you'll help mm. them. Yeah. And um, so we, it's case by case, we look for those opportunities. Uh, but then you pass on the things that you have learned. And um, those people, we are often challenged by the stuff out there that that sort of flies in the face of the process, the learning process. Mm -hmm. um, by that I mean um, you can use software to help you get places more quickly. Mm -hmm. Now that software is not going to hurt you guys because you already are far enough along that your growth will continue. But the person who gets the the fake book, mm. you know, on their phone or whatever. Yeah. You know, they are are less likely to invite being in a situation where they fall in their face. Mm. Where they have to use their ears, where they have to embarrass themselves, where they have to you know, go away with their tail between their legs and then the next day find every version of that song yes. that they screwed up the yeah. night before. Yeah. You know, and so then grow from that. there right. and then you grow. Yeah. You know, do twenty of those and you're done. <laughs> you will have grown so much. Right. Uh, but of course software uh, things that they call shortcuts. Um, end up being the long cut because mm. that person, that person's ear in this example, doesn't develop as quickly and as thoroughly and deeply. Right. And and their whole, the, their 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 manner of processing and understanding uh, how the sound of a dominant two chord should go to a dominant five chord. Or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, if if you if you just call it a, uh, a two chord and a five chord, then they go, oh, duh, oh, cool, all right, thanks, and they go home, and it's just a theory to them. It's, uh -huh. Yeah, it's yeah. numbers and not an emotion or a sound. A sound, exactly. Music is mm. sound. Yeah, it's so much more immediate if we learn to make sound by going to a sound source. Hmm. If we go to a software 
and has a, uh, changes in it, for instance, mm. then we have to look at those changes and translate them into sound. You know? mm -hmm. So it's an extra mm -hmm. step. It's an extra step. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and of course, these are the things that people think they can expedite their learning process with uh, and say, well, you know, unfortunately, those, those guys in the past, you know, the Dizzy Gillespie's and Charlie Parker's and Art Tatum's and Oscar Peterson's and stuff, they didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, so they had to do it the, the long way around and I, I can, boom, I can do it this way. And Which, as you said, is really the only way. Yeah, the long, frankly. There, right. there is no short yeah, way, there's there is only the long way. That's mm. right. And the, and the long way doesn't feel long because we love it. Yes. Right. <laughs> Right. right, we're into it, so we don't mind playing that song fifty song times. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> right. We love it. Yeah. If you don't love it, it might be a sign to find something else to love. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Reminds me of a Joe Henderson lecture that he did at North Texas that I just heard the archives from. I can't remember what year, but he, you know, someone asked about books. You know, what kind of books do you recommend or something like that? And he said. Well, books are great. There's a lot of good books out there now, but I didn't have when I grew up. And you know, as long as they help you, but that's not how I learned. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, I just think about that. You know, it's good yeah. to have the resources available if you need them, but mm -hmm. but it's it's so good, good to learn point, by sound. You know? it's, yeah. it's, that's a good point. Um, we're talking about um, again, as we said before, we're talking about an art that is totally about making sound. Mm. So that needs to be the focus. But knowledge is freedom. The more you know, the more freedom you have, the more choices you can make. So uh, the person who can only play by ear, mm. that's it. They're yeah. done. They can only, the person who can, who, who can only read the notes in the paper, we, we both, we all, three of us know people like that, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. then there's more limited choices. Somebody like you guys, and like yourselves, you have a better balance of being able to use your ear as well as reading the music, as well as um, talking about, the, you know, analyzing and talking about it in numerical terms or, or modal terms or mm -hmm. scalar terms or you know mm -hmm. the more you know the more freedom you have so it's always about a balance mm -hmm. and the, and when I work with people um, if I notice that okay he's, he's really strong with reading uh, but the ear is not quite in balance with his reading ability cool we'll work more on that or mm -hmm. vice versa you know, we're all yeah. seeking balance. Yeah. 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 We just have two more questions. Sure. One of them is we were wondering, uh, it's sometimes hard to listen to music since we're often writing and it's, mm -hmm. you know, but when you do have a chance to listen, what are you listening to and how do you feel like it's affecting you, if so? Uh, you know what? What I'm listening to really that changes and I invite the change. Sometimes I find myself going back to some favorites just like everybody does. Mm. And I'm at the age now where I'm no longer, I went through a phase of, of sort of 
almost feeling embarrassed about some of my favorites because mm. I thought oh. I really need to 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 be in what is going on now, you know, mm. and, and whatever it is, whatever yeah. elements that uh, uh, is composed, that's composed of like maybe some more odd meter things or whatever, yeah. you know, and so I really felt like I need to, but now I, I, I'm much more comfortable in my skin. I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to deny myself the pleasure of the things that still make me feel a certain way. Mm. But I'm also mm. not going to uh, uh, close the door on discovery. Because mm. mm. I want to learn new, you know, difference. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I lean on you guys, I lean on my son Gerald, and I, you know, I'll say, hey, what's out there? What do I need to be listening to? Mm. And for a while, the Christmas present that I really wanted most from Gerald was always um, buy me some recordings of things that you think I would mm. like and or should be that's, listening to. It's a good Christmas present, mm. you know. Yeah. And so, you know, now I just basically ask him or <laughs> ask you guys, and now, you know. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of that's a dip. Well, did I answer the question? Is there anything specific lately, by any chance, or, oh. or nothing specific lately? Specifically, um, my list would include, uh, you know, a bunch of my favorite. Often, it is, um, it's driven by the, the upcoming project that I have. Certainly. Yeah. So, mm. if I'm going to write for an orchestra, uh, and there are strings involved, then I'll take out my recordings of my favorite symphonies, whether they're written by Tchaikovsky or Rachmaninoff or works by David C. Ravel, yes. uh, Beethoven, um, Bartok Stravinsky, you know, the list. Certainly. <laughs> Stuff that I really love. Just, and and often it won't be to copy them, but just to play those recordings and get them in the air. So when I finally mm -hmm, have yeah. to write for that ensemble, it's not an idea. Oh, I've got to write for strings. No, it's a timbre that's mm. sort of ringing in my ear. Yes, and I can go to it. So sure, you know, there's a bunch of or I'll, I might listen to, if I'm accompanying a vocalist, then I'll take out my favorite recordings that do that, and it might include a bunch of Johnny Mandel, yes. a bunch of uh, uh, Nelson, uh, Nelson Riddle, a bunch of, um, gosh, that's such a long list. Yes. Yeah. And then people <laughs> like, like, you know, like Billy Childs. Mm. Oh my gosh. You know, like... <sighs> It's it's a long list. It's yeah, that album he did with Diane Reeves. I know. The calling. Yes. <laughs> I, I just listened to that uh, last two uh, two weeks ago. Oh man. Just listened to it again. Yes. So it's like he was. He still is so super bad, and yes. she as well. Oh um, Both. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Aren't you doing something? With her yeah, coming yeah, up, coming up yeah. in uh, Germany, is that right? Or actually, no. it's no, it's a, in Cleveland. Cle Cleveland, no, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, close though. Yeah, you, close. you know, yeah. 
Ohio <laughs> is the Germany of the United yeah. States. <laughs> so, Whoops. Yeah, right. Cleveland, Cologne. Sounds the same. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, bunch of. I'm. I'm still. I still go back to. Um, the things that <clears throat> I first listened to uh, in discovering jazz and falling in love with jazz, you know, mm. the Milt the Mil Jackson stuff, the Oscar Peterson stuff with Ray yeah. Brown, and with others, mm. <laughs> Sam Jones mm. and, uh, and Neil Sainworth Peterson. Oh, goodness oh, yeah. gracious. All those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So, it's a really long list. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah, yeah thanks for sharing. Yeah, Thank you. Sure. Um, our last question, our last official question is: um, We one of the things that we've appreciated about this weekend is the ability to just talk to people in such down to earth, you know, setting, mm -hmm. and how it's been so humanizing. At least, you know, yes, for us as the young kind of younger guys, mm -hmm. it's like. All these people we look up to, it's like, oh, look, like they're just nice people. We can go up and talk to them. It's great. So, this is a question that we enjoy asking. Um, what's something that you like to do outside of music as either a hobby or an interest? Uh, cooking and fishing. Hmm. So, hiking. Nice. Too. So, I was actually going to plan planning on being a chef before I was a bass player. Ah, so, really? Yeah. You're telling me that. Yeah. So now I can do both. Wow. <laughs> Just don't get paid for one of them. <laughs> but, but I love them both. And, wow. And fishing, um, I've always loved. I, I grew up in Venice, California. Huh. And right. that's right on the beach, obviously. And my brother and I would, especially in the summertime, um, my brother Jeff would and I would go fishing, and first we just started fishing off the coast, casting into the waves. Mm. And then around when we were kids, they had built a brand new pier, the Venice Pier. So we would go fishing off the pier, um, and there was there was an old amusement park called Pacific Ocean Park. Yep. And uh, I've P.O.P. Been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was close to the Santa Monica Pier. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised you've been there. I, I thought it was torn down by the time you were born. Well, no, but like, like been been out there is yeah, what I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the amusement park is yeah, yeah, is yeah. gone. So th that was yeah, yeah. So yeah. that I don't even know what what is in that. Pl I don't know if the pilings are still there because they eventually tore it down. But anyway, when it was still. Mm. There, my brother and I, even though I don't think it was, I think maybe even the amusement park might have been closed, but we would go underneath the boardwalk, underneath the, 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 the pier itself. So there was the pilings holding up the concrete, the wooden sidewalk right. or whatever, yeah, yeah, walkway yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the pier. And below that, there was a catwalk, and we would fish from that catwalk in the dark because there was no sunlight coming mm. in. Right? That's the best right. time. To, is that the best time and, to get the fish? I mean, not not in the evening. It's just oh, that it was oh, it yeah. was dark okay. there. 
So we're in the dark, you know, could hardly see, catching crazy, big, wonderful, delicious fish, mm. not realizing that we could have died. Because <laughs> you know, we're, we're just kind of putting our line in the water below us. Waves are coming and crashing into the pilings. Oh my god. We didn't care. Anyway, so eventually we went from that life-threatening situation to uh, just fishing off the Venice Pier, and wow. so to this to this day we we still do fishing trips. Do you That's have awesome. a favorite fish that you catch and cook? Uh, or actually, in California, the uh, where we go now, we can always get our limit of rockfish, mm. know, red snapper, and things mm. like that, and uh, but. The white sea bass is killing. That's mm. an amazing, delicious fish. Um, you don't always catch them, but when you do, you know, I think that they allow, the limit is I think one, maybe two per person. Mm. Sure. Because they don't want to yeah. outfish them. But anyway, so yeah, 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 I love fishing. And, uh, cool. and uh, lately I've been going out learning how to freshwater fish with my okay. friends. I've uh, got some music friends that, that are amazing anglers, so oh, I've yeah. been learning how to fly fish. I was going to ask, so fly fishing yeah. or, or, or fly traditional fishing. lining? Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. right so, on. Yeah. That, there's an art to that. There is. It's beautiful. Yes, yeah, it's, it's poetry. Uh, yeah. My uncle's a big fly fisher. Oh, yeah? He's showing yeah. me a lot of things. And That's I'm, cool. I'm not hip enough to hang yet, but yeah. maybe one day. <laughs> I, not, I don't. That's yeah, challenging. I want to hang, so therefore I belong. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So fishing and and cooking and recently I had a nice little you know getaway for myself, and I could just for two weeks experiment with cooking. Wow. I could just make whatever I want. Huh. So I. I kind of made some important modifications on my barbecue sauce. Oh. Next time you're around California. All right. Yeah. And I also um, really learned how to make um, short ribs. I've been, you know, experimenting ah. with different ways to do that and uh, Oddly enough, Terrell Stafford, my trumpet player mm, yes. friend, um, he had a recipe that was killing. He passed it on. So oh. I tried that, loved it, and then started experimenting with that. So, And then I went from that to spare ribs. And wow. So I've been trying to do my, you know, perfect my rib thing. <laughs> yes. Do you like a big smoker? Uh, you know what? I don't, although I do have... Um, I've got a grill. Okay. And also, I've got, I've got a grass, gas grill and I've got a charcoal grill. Nice. Okay. So, that's awesome. But, smoker might be. I, the only thing that's preventing me from getting a smoker is that <laughs> I don't do it enough. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and if I was home more, had more time, yeah. I'd talk. But, you know, uh, now that we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll follow up with you in the next interview to see if you got a smoker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> to be Our continued. next episode, awesome. did John Clayton get his smoker? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. That's John, awesome. thanks a million for yeah. Yeah. spending some time with us. My this pleasure, guys. It was a very enjoyable late night 
but yeah. fun conversation. Hey, we're done. good, man. Yeah. Night is young. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Let's go write something. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. After this weekend, I want to. Yeah. yeah that's great. awesome. So, yeah, me too. We'll talk soon, John. All right. All right thank thank you, guys. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Arrangers Podcast. If you enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us directly with a small donation on Patreon or by sharing this episode with a friend. You can hear lots of other interviews, score studies, and fun discussions at www.thearrangerspodcast.com or wherever you find podcasts. Bye for now and keep writing.